You are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Emswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders and academics to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to have with us Reverend Dr. Tony Aha, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Santa Fe. Reverend Tony, welcome to our show. Thank you, Rabbi Neil. I really appreciate it. It's great having you here. So I read, um, I read through the New Mexican article on you when you joined your community in 2015. It mentioned from the very beginning, it said you were a Cuban political refugee. So what did that mean for you? And, and how did that inform your faith journey or your spirituality in particular? Well, thank you. Thank you for asking that question. It is, uh, I believe it's very pertinent to who I am and what I do. Uh, the migrant experience whether you are a, a, a refugee escaping political upheaval, just like me and my father did, uh, war, violence, uh, famine, uh, persecution, due to religion, uh, sexual orientation, or gender identity, or any other reason, or just an immigrant seeking a better life, marks your life forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the experience of adapting to another culture and language I like to say that perhaps it creates a resiliency in you Mm. that gives you a different but rich worldview, you being an immigrant of sorts as well. Uh, Although my immigrant experience is very different because it was by choice. Right, exactly. It was was because I had opportunities laid out for me. Right, exactly. But but for you, much much more difficult. Exactly. Uh, Back in the 60s, uh, after the revolution in Cuba, uh, life for specifically my father became very untenable. Uh, because of his job and so forth. And uh, he decided that it would be better for us as a family to leave. Unfortunately, my mother stayed behind to take care of her own mother, my grandmother. And so my dad and I uh, picked up, and after some uh, uh, long process at the time, we went to live in Spain, where we lived for about a year. And we were uh, considered refugees, you know, political asylum there. And we were uh, welcomed by religious groups. So uh, that was uh, quite an experience. But again, it shaped me. It really gave me uh, a different way of looking at things. So your journey took you from Cuba to Spain to Santa Fe. Exactly. Well, to Miami. Right to Louisville, Kentucky, to New York City, and now to uh, back to uh, Louisville, and now to Santa Fe. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so t- tell us, what what is that perspective that, that you have? What, what is it that's shaped you? How does it, particularly as, as a, a member of clergy, what does it do for you religiously, uh, having that refugee status background? Okay, let me uh, start from the human perspective. Uh, I joke, I like to joke uh, when I say that I, I'm glad that I can make mistakes in more languages than one. <laughs> you know, how, how many people can say that? Uh, every time uh, I've been fortunate to uh, speak to young people in college graduations and, and other uh, venues, and I always tell them, 
Go live some other country. In some other country, mm-hmm. live live your family behind. Stay, you know, stay away from. Uh, especially, go learn another culture, another language. My three children have done that. Of course, growing up in Miami with our Cuban family, right. they are fully bilingual, right. and one of them speaks a third language, wow. a German, and uh, so uh, they are global people. Right. Um, I also consider myself to be a not only bilingual person, but a bicultural or intercultural person. I had the fortune, uh, uh, the blessing years ago when I was working for the national uh, headquarters of the Presbyterian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. to, uh, to travel all over the world. Uh, I travel, oh, I don't know, 40, 50 countries wow. and 60, 70 cities, uh, and uh, gave me the opportunity to learn from other cultures. Right. Albeit for a pretty uh, brief period of time, you know, I would travel internationally, I'd spend two or three weeks in certain or several countries. But that has ex- enhanced and expanded my worldview. And uh, certainly helps me affirm and celebrate the difference. It's not just to, you know, I don't like the word, the, the, the word tolerate. That's very right. patronizing. Right, right. It's affirming, uh, especially as a believer, uh, as a Christian. Uh, uh, I believe that God created us, and we're all basically created like it, uh, it says in the Hebrew script, scriptures, created in God's image. So uh, then, so then. For you, there's the celebration of diversity. Oh, totally. Uh, And that's part of your religious faith? Totally, totally, totally. Uh, You know, uh, yeah, and and that is something that we seem to have lost in this country, especially the last several years. don't want to be too specific, but I think you can Mm -hmm. get my uh, drift. So so for you— being uh, a member of, you know, being the leader of the Westminster Presbyterian Church, mm-hmm. you're you're bringing in that sort of cultural, larger cultural awareness, Indeed. the welcoming. How, how does that happen? Well, uh, actually, I've always tried to bring that cultural awareness and the cultural um, uh, understanding and 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 uh, willingness to learn from other people. Uh, in every aspect of my ministry, I've been very fortunate uh, fortunate that I have been. Not only seeking that kind of uh, ministry, but also, uh, you know, um, people have come to me and said, "Would you like to do this?" And because of who you are, right. and, and and that is very affirming for for me. My congregation uh, has a good, great history of being. Actually, it was the first Spanish-speaking Protestant Presbyterian congregation in Santa Fe. Oh, right. Back in 1893. Wow. And they have maintained a heritage. Even though the majority of the members are Anglo, many of them speak Spanish, they're bilingual, and we give credit to that uh, heritage by incorporating uh, Spanish language hymns and prayers in in, in Spanish and and, and prayers in Spanish. And uh, sometimes I uh, even incorporate in my own sermons, so forth, uh, phrases in Spanish and so forth. So it's something that we're very proud of. And it fits right into the uh, my own worldview and my own passion, and also the, the passion of many of the members of my congregation. Yes. So your um, so your services are bilingual in the sense of one service can have two languages in it. Yes, uh, it's mostly uh, in English because again right. the majority of the members are English speakers, Anglo's, like they say right. here, you know. And uh, but again, we give honor to that heritage. 
Uh, and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I prepare the liturgy and my wife helps me pick the hymns and all that. Sometimes if all the hymns are in English, all two or three of the hymns, oh, they get on my case. <laughs> we <laughs> need a Spanish right. language hymn. Oh, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I know you've been very involved in the um, interfaith community, yes. obviously, in the, yes. in the Interfaith Leadership Alliance, yes. and also with a lot of immigration causes. Right. Right. And, and I wonder it's worth sharing. What kind of work have you been doing here to, to help immigrants? Um, in our local community. Okay. Well, precisely, I just came uh, from a uh, meeting of the Santa Fe Faith Network for Immigration Justice, mm-hmm. which is came out of the ILA, the Interfaith Leadership Alliance. A group of us got together, and uh, it's funny because uh, the first uh, time when it was announced that they would like a couple of uh, people announced they wanted to form this group, and I saw that all the members that I first had, they were all Anglo. Right. And I went up to them and said, do you have any immigrants among you? And they looked at me kind of and said, well, I am an immigrant. I think you need one there. Right. So we have been involved, uh, to make a long story short, uh, all these two or three years, in uh, especially lately in helping relocate uh, uh, house uh, temporarily and support a transgender asylum seeker women who are, are being, uh, were being sent to the Cibola Detention Center, which my understanding still is the only detention center for transgender women in the United States. Uh, Cibola County is not too far from here. Right. So we have uh, developed connections with uh, ICE and other groups. And when they uh, let them, uh, in other words, these women, many of them have been in that center for months. Wow. Uh, they are seeking asylum because of the persecution they receive in their own countries. and uh, But they send them to the center. It's a private prison, by the way, so right. that will give you perhaps uh, uh, background on that. So when some of them are released, uh, waiting for their uh, on parole, you know, uh, waiting for their final uh, 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 hearing mm-hmm. on whether they're going to get asylum or not, they're just thrown into the community. And those who don't have relatives or friends right, right. In, elsewhere in the United States has no place to and go. And may not speak English as or, well. Or most of them don't speak any English at all. Right. At all. And uh, so we have developed uh, connections and, and linkages with peop- uh, organizations in uh, Albuquerque, uh, Las Cruces, and here in Santa Fe, We our, our group. So we housed, we housed them temporarily. As a matter of fact, today, at, at the end of our meeting of the network today, we said goodbye to a transgender woman from Nicaragua who has been living with us for about four months. Wow. Actually, in one of the uh, parishioners in the house of one of the parishioners from my church. And we gave her a great party and said goodbye and kisses and photos. And she's going to go to New York City. Wonderful. Where she's going to be housed also, be living with another family who is going to support her. And there is an entire interfaith community there that I had the privilege of connecting uh, with or I have connections all over the United States, obviously, uh, and uh, they're all going to help, just like we have been helping her here. Ho- hopefully, she will eventually get her asylum. So, <coughs> excuse me. Let me ask, mm-hmm. what what makes you do that? I mean, obviously, doing yeah. that is you do that because you're a good person. But what's the Christian perspective behind that? Why do you do well, that as a Christian? What well, what is it in your faith? that makes you say, I need to be helping these people? Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, my faith, uh, my Christian faith, my Presbyterian Christian faith, 
uh, tells me, uh, uh, in other words, the scriptures say, uh, like Jesus said, uh, love God and your neighbor as yourself. So that to me is the, uh, actually, Jesus said, that is the greatest commandment. And uh, that is uh, the foundational reason why people like me do what we do in, within the Christian community. Uh, also, of course, as you well know, the Hebrew Scriptures, the prophets mm-hmm. were always uh, saying, thus says the Lord, you have to welcome the stranger. Right. Uh, so, and, and lately, as a matter of fact, the word stranger that's been translated into English as stranger, newer translations have the word immigrant. Oh, interesting. In, in there. Because they figure that is that's the meaning, you know, right. someone who's migrating into your community, and that expanded. The prophets always also talk about helping the poor, mm-hmm. social justice, and all those things. So it is part of my, of the DNA of of uh, of Christianity, uh, See, precisely. So how would you respond when people say, "But that, that's not clergy's job. Clergy's job uh, should be leading services, or yeah. should be, you know, looking after the people in their parish." That is so. Uh, that is a cop out. Okay. That is a faulty, negligent reading of scriptures and of the uh, Christian history or religious history in general. Um, uh, for I mean, uh, the church. Uh, religious people, most religions uh, have similar tenets. Right. You know, help uh, love your neighbor, help other people, uh, work for the welfare of the community, yeah. uh, and uh, place people ahead of you. Uh, unfortunately, in this country, individualism reigns king, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, it's very hard to change that. Even people that go to church or temple or, mm-hmm. or uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, well, any place of worship. Yeah, any place of worship. I'm sorry, I couldn't find the word. Uh, they just go. They go through the uh, ablutions and, and all that, and then they go home and they don't do any of this. But specifically in, in the Christian scriptures and in our history, uh, um, our, it's that's what God wants us to do. To do in, in in the New Testament, Jesus calls it the kingdom of God. Right. Now nowadays we use a different word, K I N hyphen D O M, the okay. family of God. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was a Cuban uh, Catholic theologian, a woman, who coined that word, or at least uh, brought it up. Uh, uh, to the uh, theological disco- uh, uh, discourse, King, the family of, in Spanish is right. la familia de Dios. And that uh, works, uh, I God. think that works very nicely as a play on words, doesn't it? From Ex- kingdom of God to kingdom right, of right. God. Yeah, ki- ki- kingdom is flatter. Right. Flatter. You know, right. we're all equal in the eyes of God and we need, depending upon each other, we're interconnected. Well, let's take a pause there. Sure. This, is, this is so fascinating to hear. Um, we're uh, going to take a, a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about religion and politics because oh. because you get so involved. Oh. So um, we're yes. listening to uh, Soul Searching on KSFR mm. with uh, Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. And my guest this evening is Reverend Dr. Tony Aha, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church. And we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. My guest this evening, Reverend Dr. Tony Aha, uh, pastor of a Westminster Presbyterian Church in Santa Fe. Uh, and you were talking about your your engaged Christianity, how mm-hmm. um, how religion shouldn't just be sitting in the pews and going home and, and doing nothing, but but involvement. What about how far does that go? How far should religion be involved in oh. politics? 
Well, uh, specifically from a Christian perspective, uh, we believe, and through you know, based on the scriptures, words of Jesus, and actions of Jesus, and uh, and previously by the Hebrew prophets and so forth, we believe we exist for the benefit of the community. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, church or or temple or, or uh, any 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 house of worship should not be just a social club. Unfortunately, it happens. Right. We exist on behalf of the community, for, uh, you know, for the community. And uh, in, in, uh, we believe, uh, from the Christian perspective, that Jesus was a political rebel rouser. Okay. Uh, he challenged the emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the whole New Testament is written in an uh, empire context, Roman Empire, persecution mm-hmm. and oppression mm-hmm. and discrimination. And uh, Jesus, uh, basically, when he declares himself to be the king, uh, you know, a, a king, that completely challenged the, 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 uh, the authority of the emperor. And we believe he was killed uh, and suffered and killed because of his opposition to uh, the way the religious authorities, to a certain extent, were doing religion in right. cahoots with the government. Okay, and he challenged that uh, that empire, the empire. So, so for you, Christianity, if I if I may interrupt, Christianity well, yeah. is is an expression of uh, rebellion against oppression, uh, uh, rebellion against uh, empire. What, what is it? Yes, uh, I consider, you know I am a Presbyterian Reformed Christian coming from John Calvin, who was right. the uh, the founder of the Presbyterian. Uh, um, uh, tr- denomination uh, tr- uh, uh, tradition. Uh, we call it public theology. Public, public theology. theology. Uh, uh, Calvin lived as a political refugee in, in Geneva and created, uh, you know, he wasn't perfect, the man, you know, uh, I'm not a uh, Calvinist, uh, <laughs> uh, straight line Calvinist, but uh, he, he, he uh, worked for uh, the welfare, you know, he, he cre- presented all this basic tenets about uh, related to public theology. Uh, the church should be the conscious, uh, the, the religion should be the conscious of society and government. Hmm. In other words, because our tenets, our common tenets are, like we said before, precisely, uh, you know, on behalf of the community, you know, make sure that there's peace and compassion right. and, and justice, especially justice, that everybody has equal access to opportunities to live a, a fulfilled Life and when our, the government, local, national, whatever, doesn't really follow those tenets and uh, prefers uh, makes laws that will help certain people right. uh, read the rich and wealthy uh, and the powerful, and doesn't take care, doesn't provide for these principles of compassion, justice, equality, the church has the right. And the duty mm. to speak up, the church and, and people. Like I said, in most religions, uh, we have basic tenets of compassion, peace, and justice. And uh, we have the right to stand up. So you've seen a lot of injustice in oh, the world. my goodness, yes. And do you, do you feel the world is getting better? Do, no. you, do you see uh, – do you think it's going the wrong way? Um, do, oh, do, you, well. do you feel – I mean, I see all this wonderful work that you're doing. Do you ever get despondent and think that you're 
you know, there's so much injustice. Indeed, indeed. How do yeah. you respond to that? Well, uh, first, I want to qualify uh, the uh, whatever I may do, it's in conjunction with the community. We, okay. we, we don't, I mean, uh, especially as a Presbyterian, we believe that God speaks through the community and acts through the community. It is, I consider myself a community organizer of sorts. Right. And I believe that most pastors, most uh, uh, religious leaders are that, right? You, well, and, yeah. But that's interesting because yeah. community organizer, if God speaks through the community and acts through the community, right. does that mean you're a God organizer? Uh, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> take that. Right, okay. I'll take that because it's the same. You know, again, uh, we want the community to uh, be able to organize and and, and make decisions on right. their own, uh, and, and 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 stand and resist injustice right. and and discrimination and oppression. Can we can we right. resist it? Can we? Is is it so big? I mean, there's been so much injustice, and it, if you're talking about the the Christian Bible, talking right. about trying to resist right. Um, right. Uh, resist this this right. 2000 years right. or more of injustice uh, do you see it ending uh well uh it, it, it's kind of a uh both end uh, nothing, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to read scripture very nuanced. You can't just take it literally because then you're going to start making mistakes. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so the problem is human nature, uh, you know, we have unchecked corporate and personal greed, right. institutional racism, thirst for absolute power. Uh, like I said before, individualism, you know. I'm number one. I want. I'm. I'm num- I want things for me. Uh, people continue to seek their own welfare instead of thinking about the welfare of the entire society. Uh, they stump on those who don't have the same opportunities uh, to wealth and education, and uh, the gap between the rich and the poor, therefore, is mm-hmm. it's getting wider and wider. Uh, again, xenophobia, misogyny, homophobia, and all those other isms and phobias continue to be present in our society. Calvin uh, believed in total depravity, you ah. know, that uh, uh, we are born uh, depraved. Individually or communally? Indivi- both. Interesting. Both. And this is why, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, you know, the myth of Adam and Eve and I all see. that, uh, sin entered through uh, one person, and then uh, we all are we uh, are uh, um, we we have that uh, uh, in our uh, in our person. I don't know. I have a more positive view of okay. creation because God created, as He says in Genesis, and God said everything was good. Mm-hmm. I like to think that we are intrinsically good because we were created again, like I said before, in the image. Oh God! But how can we be intrinsically right. good and society right. be so unjust? Uh, I don't have uh, that's that's the, that's the, the theodicy question. Okay, my, uh, you know, uh, I am an unapologetically an idealist. Okay, you know, uh, again, uh, since we human beings are created in the image of God, who we believe to be a loving, compassionate, just God. We have the potential to develop just societies. Uh, so I also believe that if we really lived, especially those of us who claim to be religious, spiritual, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. if we really lived the lives that we're supposed to live, mm-hmm. then there is, a, there is great hope. In other words, we can really change society. The problem is that we fail. 
we don't do it. Uh, maybe that total that depravity that we, right. is also part of our being. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that, uh, Rabbi. Well, I, I feel uh, like you have in some sense. I, I uh, love the idea of being an unapologetic idealist because that that kind of radiates from you, um, and 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 in the work that you do to support the most vulnerable in society, you, you don't give up. You're not uh, letting this tide of injustice stand, but you're kind of burrowing away at the bottom to say, let's let's all together, you know, right. work work through that. But at the same time, and I'm going to I'm being very honest because I'm usually very honest with my own congregation. I call myself. Uh, I also adhere to the tenets of liberation theology. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is basically uh, uh, the purpose of God is to liberate people right. uh, uh, from whatever it is that is they're being oppressed by, uh, and the oppressors, by the way, also need to be liberated. Right. Of, of that. But if I were a true liberation theologian, I'll quit my job, I'll sell everything I have, give it to the poor, like it says in the scriptures, and go live in a in a one of those communities in Latin America or Africa. Right. Uh, I don't have the guts to do that. Part of me says, "Gosh, I can't do that." But then, you know? but then, but at the same time, it's not. I, you know, I, I admire your honesty and, and self-deprecation, um, but it, it's not that um, – I, I don't know. I find, I find that would be unrealistic. Of course. I find it of would course. be, you know, uh, yeah. if you unplug from the world, of course. then what can you do? You can't right. affect change. You, you well, affect yeah. change by being part of the world. Right. Well, the, the uh, base communities that I'm uh, relating to that were very big in the 70s, 60s and 70s in Latin America, they don't withdraw from the community. As right. a matter of fact, they come together to advocate and help the communities around them. They're very political in that sense. So it's not that you totally, it's just a way that I'm going to have to give up whatever I have, I may have of, of wealth, you know, and compared to the rest of the world, most of the world, we are wealthy. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, interestingly, in, in Judaism, in my tradition, right. we give up a tenth of what we There own, we go. Because otherwise we end up uh, having right. to make others give us right. money and so right. on. So right. so it's it's part of but not totally giving exactly. up the things that exactly. we own. So that's the conundrum and that's the uh, internal uh, conflict right. that uh, those of us like you, you know, you're also very involved in, in social issues and advocacy and all that. So, But we have this internal conflict. We want to do good. We want to change society. Uh, but let's admit it, up to a certain point, because we benefit. And that's the issue, for sure. example. We benefit from society, from, right. from, from this uh, wealth that is around us, uh, just like racism. You know, you can... You don't have to be personally a racist, but if you work with an institution, racism is always institutional. Personal raci- uh, racism, you know, uh, cannot hurt you in the sense of maybe right. say a few words. And, but even if we benefit from right. our position in society. Right. Right. We still fight it. We right. still struggle against it and try to change it. So it's a, it's a both end. It is, and I think I think that's a wonderful place for us to end because okay. you've, you you're kind of leaving us with that question of mm-hmm. of what can we do right. uh, in order to help the other, the the right. the oppressed, uh, those who are suffering, right. uh, those who are facing injustice. Right. Um, how much of ourselves can we give? And, and, and to exactly. me, it sounds like you're saying we can always give more. Oh, totally. But at the same time, we have to be aware that there is that sort of contradiction inside right. us that right. says, 
part of the reason that I can give more is because right. I'm benefiting from that which I'm trying to stop. <laughs> totally. So, no, I, I, I really admire the honesty and, and, and well, leaving us with that question. I, okay, I really great. do. Great. Thank you. So, look, thank you, um, Reverend Dr. Tony Aha, um, <laughs> a pastor of, of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Santa Fe. Thank you so much for coming on this evening and, and for your really profound answers to It's my to honor. Thank you so much, Rabbi Neil. Thank you. I hope hopefully you might uh, return soon and maybe we can have more conversations. Let's see what happens. Well, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, retiring. That's true. <laughs> well, then hopefully you can come back and visit us. Uh, well, I will. Point. I will. Thank you, sir. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.